0: Welcome to the Becoming Beautiful I Am podcast, I'm your host Dr. Joan. Have you ever sat in a time of meditation and asked the question, what great thing is present right now that I'm not seeing? Yeah pause for a second and ponder that question, what great thing is present right now that I am not seeing. As you ask the question, you're acknowledging something a blindness or an inability to see. And you're asking the creator of the universe to show you a great thing, not a small thing, but a great thing. Not a great thing from the past or from the future, but right here. In this present moment this great thing exists so the thing is sometimes before you can get the answer to this question you have to ask another question what do I need to do right now so that I can see and this question is about you it's about me what do I need to change about me right now so that i can see what do i need to change about my way of being and my mindset what limitations blind me to this thing that i need to see what fears what fears <laughs> yeah what fears stop me from seeing what is right here in front of me right now You can see like the deeper you want to dive the more profound your questions have to be but as they're answered you have more clarity and more alignment with who you are with who god is and this is what gives you the power to see and we're back at the golden rule Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. So it's about alignment, it's about a spiritual dive, it's about practicing aligning yourself so that you can see. So, I want to talk to you about two spiritual practices that help me to sit, stand, walk in a place of alignment and to ask a question and almost immediately receive an answer. So every night, I write a gratitude journal before I go to bed. And there are many types of gratitude journals out there and I'm going to talk to you about the practice of writing a gratitude journal and some of the things that you can focus on in a more in-depth show a little bit later on. But for now, I just want you to have a grasp of what it means to be in a place of gratitude. I had one of my clients call me the other day and she was feeling rather upset, you know, we're in the middle of COVID and he or she and her husband are having some arguments. and. You know it's the long weekend Passover Easter and one of the things she was worried about was I'm gonna be stuck with this guy in a house for four days and this is absolutely horrible and so I talked to her about seeing it this way you get into an argument with someone and essentially you can do one of two things you can go into the basement or you can go upstairs so think about it this way someone calls you into an argument they knock you open the door and step by step by groaning complaining step you walk into the basement you squat on the floor and you basically say why me why do I need to be here This is the worst life ever. This is the worst weekend ever. And all of a sudden it turns into this flood of pity, which sucks each of us dry. Or we can go the other direction. We can let the person be where they are in their argument by themselves. And we build a step upward where we become grateful and thankful. There are people dying, I am alive. There are people dying and they're homeless, I have a home. There are people who are dying alone, I have a family. And you create a space where you begin to grow in gratitude. And when you sit in a place of gratitude, beautiful connections begin to happen. It's almost like you can elevate yourself right into the heavens. So each night I write a gratitude journal. And there are some nights when I don't, I have to admit, you know, there are nights when there's an event where I've been working really hard and I'm feeling rather lazy. So I don't actually follow through. And the thing is, I notice a difference. My sleep is disturbed. Versus having that deep rejuvenating sleep, I feel like I wake, I go back to sleep, I wake, I go back to sleep. Or I feel a little bit out of sync. Instead of having that nice, energized, and balanced day, I kind of feel like, hmm, not really sure what's going on here. Or my day might feel hampered instead of really productive and really creative. So that's my nighttime. In the morning, I have quite a routine that from beginning to end probably lasts about an hour and a half to two hours. But included in this routine is my time of meditation, which can last anywhere from about 20 minutes to maybe about 30 minutes on average. But, you know, there are some times that my meditation will last a little bit longer. And I do practice different types of meditation, but especially when I am asking a question and I'm desiring an answer, I use a particular style of meditation called listening prayer. And to briefly give you a sense of what listening prayer is, it's this. I ask a question and I usually write it down and then I sit in quietness and I breathe and I connect with God and I wait for the answer. And the answer comes in a variety of ways. Sometimes it is an actual spoken word, sometimes I'm given a picture image or sometimes it's in the reading of the scriptures, they come alive for me in that time of meditation and they are also answering the question that I have. might come in the form of a phone call that very day where somebody says something that is a direct answer to the question even though I didn't ask them. Or I might have a dream or a vision. What I've learned to do is not create a box around how the answer comes. I simply expect and I simply know that it will come. So, a few nights ago, as I expressed my gratitude for a new group of people who had recently shown up in my life, and as I expressed my gratitude for a new sense of productivity that I was experiencing, And as I expressed my gratitude for the new growth that came through a recent, uncomfortable experience with someone, I wrote down the question that I've been talking to you about and then I spoke it out loud. Lord, what great thing is present right now that I'm not seeing? I went to sleep that night expecting the answer to perhaps come in a dream, but it didn't. And so the next morning, as I sat in my time of listening prayer, I asked the same question. And the answer came in a vision that connected the dots between two dreams that I had had and a place I call the room. So I give all my dreams and visions a name. And last week I shared a dream that I now call the Village of Peace with you. And that vision begins on a seashore. I am in a spiritual place, a sacred place, a place that I think those people who go in search of peace eventually find. But nevertheless, in the dream, it is this physical place. It's beautifully stunning. Um, The day is one of these wonderful days that, you know, the great sunshiny day and in the middle of that beautiful backdrop, I am standing there with two sailors. I don't see a ship or anything like that, but one has a manifest, like a passenger manifest in his hand. He's checking off. And of course, it's just the three of us on the beach. Um, So it seems a little bit strange, but obviously I have disembarked from some kind of ship and I have landed on this beach and I have made the decision that I'm going in search of my friend Ameze. Now Ameze is an actual person, but I think Ameze represented something. Her name actually means river water, peaceful. And I in the in the dream I altered it to peaceful river water, peaceful waters flow. And so all of us have to disembark from what I call man's mindset and then embark on a journey that helps us to completely align with God's mindset. So I had obviously made that decision. And now there was a journey for me to take up that huge, massive mountain that I described. And of course, out in the distance is the tsunami. And the tsunami represents so many things um, that you're going to see in these dreams that I'm going to share with you. And the journey up the mountain is something that we do not do alone. Um, The journey up the mountain is very much a partnership with our God. And the journey is easy. But the decision to go up the mountain is the hardest part of the journey. But once we make the decision, I'm going in search of my peace, I'm going to align myself with my God, This is the beauty of it. The journey becomes so easy, doors open, paths that others have traveled, you see them more clearly. And the tsunami that is off in the distance almost disappears in the backdrop. And so as I take you on this journey with me over the next, Uh, three episodes we will come full circle back to the village of peace but for now what I want to do is set a stage for these dreams and the room so I want to tell you about the garden which is the first dream I want to tell you about the dark night which is the second dream and then I want to tell you about the room the room did not come to me in the form of a dream it was more of an inspiration an inspired concept that came as i wrote my book 490 forgive and live fearlessly and i struggled a bit well more than a little bit with how to share the dreams and yet give you the answer the fullness of the answer that came in that vision when i asked the question what great thing is present right now that i'm not seeing and so I thought, you know, I could do this in one podcast, but um as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to spend the next 3 podcasts talking to you about the garden, the room, and the dark night. And eventually I will circle back to the village of peace before I tell you the answer to the question. So I'm asking a heavy commitment from you (laughs) very early in our relationship, right? I'm asking you to trust the story and to come with me. And I'm asking you to listen intently, to comment, offer me your feedback, to share this podcast with anyone that you think um, would benefit from hearing my stories and the visions and the dreams. So for now, I want to talk to you about the night my grandmother died, this was probably 1994. I had a beautiful dream that helped me to understand death and life, and at least one of the many roles I am to play as I move through my own spiritual journey. So listen to me now as I read an excerpt from 490, Forgive and Live Fearlessly. On the night my grandmother died, I had the great honor of becoming her spiritual guide. In a dream, I brought her into the most spectacular and majestic garden I had ever seen. I awoke with a pillow soaked with tears and later that morning received confirmation of her death when my mother called. That night, the dream introduced me to a profound truth that I will now share with you. Nana, I call from the veranda. Won't you come and sit with me? Yes, I'll be there in a minute. My grandmother responds without looking at me. She's been raking the leaves that had fallen from the mango trees. As I watch the muscles below her jet black skin tense and relax with each movement of the rake, I feel blessed that those same arms and hands gently fed and cared for me during my younger years. She moves slowly, but methodically, in a circle around the tree, tightening the circle until she creates a small mountain of leaves three or four meters from the base of the tree. I know the routine. After a few hot days in the sun, those leaves will dry and become perfect for burning. Just as I think she's finished, she moves towards the back of the house, and I follow her. Then she does something that for years I had not seen her do. She sits down on a wooden bench and begins to watch the tub of laundry. White sheets, white shirts, and white underwear. Everything is white. I don't help. Instead I complain. I can't believe I've come all this way and the only thing you're doing is working. Time is unwieldy in this dream. She stands now having hung several pieces of clothing on the line, and looks me in the eye. I know, I know, she says gently. You've been waiting patiently, but I have to get this done. I will come and sit with you as soon as I can. The work continues until it is dusk. I watch her clean the entire house and wash the floors. She cooks a great feast fit for a king. She folds the laundry and spends a great deal of time ironing a beautiful white dress that I had never seen before. Finally, as the sky darkens and night comes, she sits on the veranda with me and we chat for hours and hours on end. It is past midnight when we turn in and go to bed. It was the happiest and most pleasant night of my life. Sometime between 3 and 4 a.m., I wake. I wake feeling compelled to complete a task. I go to my grandmother's room, I wake her, and without words, we both know the parts we are to play. Suddenly, she is robed in the beautiful dress she has spent so much time ironing. The queenly white African garb shines like the moon on her black skin. She is wearing a head tie that matches and sparkles like the dress. As time goes by, she grows younger and younger and younger still. We travel together now, my steps slightly ahead of hers. We make our way through the small living room and kitchen. The door opens into the backyard and we do not stop until we reach the beautiful breadfruit tree that has been there since my birth and climb invisible stairs to the top. There we find ourselves at the entrance of a garden of unsurpassed beauty. It has no gates and no boundaries. It is a living entity or a spiritual place that is eternal and wise. We can feel the life energy of every plant and animal within it. The petals and leaves of every flower and every rose sparkle with hope, joy, and love. The grass is the greenest color I have ever seen. A meandering stream laughs as it flows from the mouth of the waterfall. Yet none of this beauty compares to the overwhelming sense of peace and love that permeates the pure, heavenly air around us. I know my task to bring her there is complete. I stop and I watch as she goes on. She pauses briefly to wonder at why I am no longer with her. And in the same moment, she understands this is her time, not mine. And without words, we say goodbye, and I begin my descent. My grandmother died in 1994, and... I remember waking from this dream and it's still so vivid Um, I think these dreams they stay until you have received the fullness of the wisdom that's embedded in it and so it remains with me a very very vivid dream and I remember waking from this dream and immediately being very concerned for my grandmother, who for probably about a year and a half had been suffering with stomach cancer. And I remember just kind of thinking about the dream as, you know, just a clue that maybe my grandmother wasn't doing so well. And I remember calling my mother early that morning and asking her I must have been at university, I'm sure I was. uh, Because I had to call my mother, I wasn't at home. And I remember calling her and asking her if Nana was okay, and um, her saying to me in her Jamaican uh, accent, oh you didn't hear, Nana died last night. And I guess maybe there was a little bit of shock, but obviously I had just had this beautiful dreams, so I don't think it was a great shock. I remember not experiencing the funeral in the ways that other folks wanted me to experience it. Um, I think there were comments like, oh, she didn't cry. And I think at the time, because I was gifted this dream and I knew where my grandmother had entered and where she was. I recognized there was absolutely no need to grieve. There was something absolutely beautiful about the garden. In the book 490, Forgiven, Live Fearlessly, the chapter is entitled, Love is All There Is. And... There have been a few of my visions and my dreams where I have had this opportunity to experience an unending and ever-expanding love right here, right now. It's not a heaven that I dream of. It's not a place that I am going to. I know that's how we talk about this in Christendom that, you know, heaven is this place that's out there. But the truth of the matter is that night I experienced the garden in the present moment right? And that's a beauty of part of the response and the answer to that question. What is present right here? What great thing is present right here, right now that I'm not seeing? And I think many of us think heaven is this thing that we move towards, but heaven is actually right here, right now. Isn't that a glorious thought? Isn't that a beautiful Um, just if we could each see life the way that you know it is to be seen we would see that the garden is present right now and yet there's a process that each of us are to move through in order to return to the beautiful garden yeah that's that's the lesson that even as I'm speaking it out loud that we need to grab from this the experience was like no other Um, I experienced my grandmother differently and the thing that I think is important to say for those of you who have not read the book is that my mother I lived in Jamaica until I was 10 years old and when I was about 3 my mother migrated to Canada and she would come ahead of us and we would follow her. But it would be about seven years between the time she left when I was three and when we would join her in Canada. So my grandmother was my mother and we had a really strong bond. Um, And because she was my mother, I dreamt about her that night and she gifted me something or perhaps i should say god gifted both of us something an opportunity to say goodbye (laughs) um so in this experience um i saw something happen i saw my grandmother prepare and yet Not knowing exactly what she was preparing for, she prepared. And I think oftentimes we forget that part of this journey is a preparation to re-enter the garden. And do we have to die in order to re-enter the garden? I'm going to suggest to you, no, absolutely not. In this life, if we prepare and prepare well then we re-enter the garden this place where there is a (laughs) joy-filled atmospheric intense love that i think every human being on the planet is desiring right i know i certainly have desired it at certain points in my life in fact before i started my spiritual transformation journey i desired it and yearned for it all of the time and it was when i had my first vision that i experienced the fullness of this unending ever expanding love that now that i'm remembering the garden and I'm doing this episode of Becoming Beautiful I Am, I'm remembering that I had this encounter and this experience with love on the night my grandmother died. And in a lot of ways, one of the people that I never had to forgive as I moved through my forgiveness journey was my grandmother. And that's that's not true. I forgave her for sending me away. <laughs> but that was hardly her choice. In fact, I think that was just how things were supposed to go. And so you can't you can't forgive something where there is no wrong. She did exactly what she was supposed to. She supported her daughter in taking care of her children and then she she transitioned us on into the home that we were meant to live in. And so she did everything right. My grandmother was a special woman. She loved me and I felt loved. And it was almost like the garden was a greater expansion of her love. And so, you know, it was very fitting that I was returning to my home in Jamaica And I was wanting very much to commune with my grandmother. You know, that's when we sit down, we have a conversation, right? And oftentimes we don't think about returning home and sitting down with our God and having a conversation and thinking about the beauty of that conversation and talking to God until we go to bed, right? Like who thinks about that? Well, I guess I do. But you know, like if we were to think about that, here I have this beautiful soul that had taken care of me all of my life. And now on the night that she would transition into this beautiful garden, I was meeting with her one last time. What kind of gift? What kind of gift is that? It's powerful, right? And so, as I met with her in this place, she was also teaching and continuing to teach me something that Joan, even death, has a preparation right? You do have to clean up the yard, you do have to wash the dishes and the floors, you do have to iron the clothes, wash the clothes, you know, you have to cook the feast. And there were so many things that she was doing that was really representative of all the things that god and christ speak about right (laughs) like the wedding feast right the preparations of the bridegroom um the wearing of the the white dress and all of those things suggesting a kind of purity to it all um these are the things that allow us to enter into that peaceful rest and uh, enter into that place where there is a garden, where there is an ever-expanding love and an eternal love that can only be described as God. Even I have to take a moment and pause and think about some of those things that are now being revealed to me in this moment that I'm speaking them out loud. And I have to think about how I finished off the chapter, All There Is Is Love, and it returns me to the Genesis story, and in particular, in Genesis 3, where the first humans, Adam and Eve, are in a garden. And they are given a choice. And in another chapter, we are told that in this garden, there is a tree of life. So that is eternal life. And there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And yet they are not presented with the choice to choose to live and live eternally. They're presented with the choice to choose knowledge that would make them equal with God. Isn't that the interesting thing? And they're also really being presented with another choice. Will you trust God? Will you trust the information that he has given you? Will you trust that he loves you and has created certain barriers to protect you that he has prepared this garden with unending unlimited ever-expanding love and so soak it up and enjoy the life that is present here and you know I have to say I am NOT a Bible scholar And I mentioned to you before that I really enjoy the podcast, Bema, and Bema has introduced me to Ray Vandalon, which has some really wonderful teachings that help us to understand from an Eastern perspective what the biblical storyline is all about. And through my own journey, the understanding that I've come to is the biblical story is God's way of showing us the choices that we have to make about the garden, about life. And one of the things that we can be very secure in is that the return to the garden has already happened. It happened with Christ. But our challenge is we still read the Bible as though the story is unfolding. And we don't see that now our lives is the Bible unfolding. And so we don't experience it in the way that we should. And so as I ask the question, what great thing is present right now that I'm not seeing? The garden is present. It's ever expanding. It's eternal. It's love. You and I are present in the garden right here, right now. And so The challenge though is to see it, and seeing it can take a lifetime, or it can take 40 days, (laughs) but eventually we will all see it. So Adam and Eve had a choice to make. They had a choice about trusting the story, trusting that God had their, their life their goodwill in the palm of his hands, that he had prepared this garden with everything that they needed. And trusting trusting the story was the only thing really that they needed to do in order to remain in this perfect space where love is. In fact, all there is, is love. But the temptation that happens when we encounter someone that is (laughs) serpent-like. So someone who manipulates, someone who lies, someone who kills, someone who destroys us, really at the end of the day, we have these human encounters that are the very essence of what the serpent represents, separation between us and God. And we have these life moments that cause us to become blinded to feel like we've been pushed out of the garden that we have no way to come back to the garden but the truth of the matter is that's already taken care of and now all we need to do is see open our eyes and see so in genesis 3 adam and eve make a choice they make a choice to eat from this tree of good and evil and what i'm going to suggest is i'm going to introduce you to this concept this spiritual place called the room and in the room we encounter someone we have an experience and that experience has the potential to separate us from god To blind us to what is so that we begin to see all of these things that are murky like shame and blame guilt and regret a sense of unworthiness feeling like we're not good and we're not good enough the cart garden disappears altogether and it is replaced by the room and so in the next episode of Becoming Beautiful I Am, I will introduce the room and all of the tragic things that happen there. Both the garden and the room are actually quite beautiful places, but again, We have to see the great things that are in front of us. So I want to thank you for listening to Becoming Beautiful I Am. And until the next time, rise, forgive, and live fearlessly.